You are listening to Church Unlimited Students, a ministry of Church Unlimited. If God is speaking to you through this podcast, we encourage you to share this resource with your friends. And make sure to connect with us on social media by following at Students. Thank you for listening to Church Unlimited Students. What's up? What's up? How's everybody doing tonight? Good to see you guys. So glad you all came to what? To, to, what? What just happened? I just lost my train of thought. I don't know what I'm saying. So glad you came to see you students tonight. Y'all glad to be here tonight? Good. Love having this band up here. They kill it every single week. How many of you like revenge? How many of y'all like revenge? Be real for just a second. Vulnerability time. Some of y'all are like, nah, I'm holy. I don't believe in such thing. I'm perfect. There's never do anything wrong with that. Like, I'm the kind of guy, like, if I'm going to be real with y'all, like, when somebody, say we're sitting in the atrium and somebody throws a dodgeball and, like, hits me in the back of the head, I'm going to pick that ball up and throw it as hard as I can. No matter who I hit, I'm getting somebody back. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, sometimes when you're getting tailed in a car, like some of y'all drive, and if somebody's riding my bumper, you know what I want to do? Tap the brakes. Pop, make them hit me, be like, now you got to pay for my car and your car. You're lost, or I'll get behind them, start riding them. Like, I don't do that anymore. I'm, I'm way too holy for that now. But uh, at the same time, like, I can't help but, like, want to get people back. It's so hard to actually forgive somebody. We want to get revenge or get bitter or get upset with somebody. It's so easy for us to do. You know what's strange? Last week we talked about stranger things that Christians do. What was last week about? Sex. It was about sex. Talked about how I love sex, and y'all were like, oh, that's so weird. Well, it's true. I'm married. You can ask my wife all about it. Um, But listen, tonight we're going to be talking about stranger things Christians do, and here's one of the stranger things Christians do. They forgive someone that doesn't deserve to be forgiven. And some of you are like, man, I don't really do that very well. I get it. I struggle with that as well, and we're going to be talking about that, but I'm going to explain to you tonight about why Christians forgive when they don't deserve to be forgiven, and at the same time, how you can do that as well. How many of you, just real moment for just a second, how many of you have had someone hurt you in a way that they don't deserve to be forgiven? Like, raise your hand. Yeah, I'll, like, look around the room for just a second. Like, everybody, everybody has. So you, we're all in the same boat here. Like somebody that has hurt us or offended us does not deserve to be forgiven. So this message tonight is for every single one of us, including myself, even though I prepared it with the Lord's help, obviously. Forgiveness is hard. We say something like, they don't deserve it. Here's something that we may say, and this is straight from Scripture, Romans 7, 18 through 20. If you put it off the screen, I'm going to read it up there with you guys. Romans 7, 18 through 20 says this. This is Paul kind of having a battle with his own flesh, and he's talking about obeying the law, which is the Old Testament, and obeying Jesus, which is the New Testament. If you throw that verse up there, please, I'd really appreciate it. It's not coming. All right, we'll be reading it from right here. So here's what it says. It says, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. And I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Like, that's kind of confusing. Like, what the heck is he saying? Just bear with me for just a second. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am really not the one doing it. It is sin living in me that does it. So here's what's going on there. He's having a battle with his flesh. 
Like a lot of times we do the things that we don't want to do and we don't do the things that we want to do, maybe because of laziness, maybe because of frustration, maybe because of bitterness, maybe because of anything, but it's so easy not to do the things that we want to and, want and to want to do the things that we don't do. It's so difficult, but it's a natural battle to want revenge, to not forgive, but as Christians, we have to fight against the natural and do what is right and do what Christ would have us to do as well because the opposite is normal and natural for a Christian. So here's something that encourages my heart. I said this last weekend when I preached. How many of y'all came to one of our weekend services at Church Unlimited? A lot of y'all need to come check it out. It's an unbelievable church. We meet here at 10, 11, 30, and 1, like right here in this, uh, in this worship center. We meet at our broadcast campus. We meet all over. Some of y'all live in Cal Allen. We meet at Northwest, about a mile from your high school. Um, we meet all over the place. There's eight campuses in South Florida, including San Antonio. But man, we'd love to have you come. I got to preach. I got the privilege to preach because our pastor hurt his back. And one of the things that I said this weekend was, I said that, uh, I was talking about forgiving your wife or a relationship, a girlfriend or something like that. And I said, here's the neat thing about about forgiveness. You never have to forgive more than you've already been forgiven. You never have to forgive more than you've already been forgiven. Sometimes you think, man, there is no way the, the way that he hurt me or what she said to me, or maybe it was an attack when you were a kid, or um, maybe some kind of abuse, and you're like, there's no way I could forgive that person. Like, they deserve hell and more for what they did to me, and I'm not going to forgive them. Many times we might say the exact same thing. But the truth is we're never gonna have to forgive more than we've already been forgiven. Let me define that. So here's the thing. You and I, so don't hear me pointing the finger at you, you and I have done some jacked up things with the things that we've said, with the things that we've thought, with the junk that we've looked at on the internet, the things that we've done in relationships, the things that we've tweeted out, the things we've snapped and tried to delete, even though it's saved on the World Wide Web. All the things that we do are very wrong, like many of the things we do, not all the things we do, are very wrong. But guess what? When Jesus died on the cross and you surrendered your life to him, he forgave all those things. Like your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. Like he forgave them all, like they're no more. Like you could go in the record book of me and look and they're not there because he wiped my slate clean. It's pretty stinking incredible what he did for us. He forgave all that stuff. Guess what? You're never gonna have to forgive someone all the things they've done wrong in their entire life. That's why I say you'll never have to forgive more than you've already been forgiven because we've done some jacked up stuff, but the truth is we'll never have to forgive all, forgive some, all of someone's sins. We'll only forgive some of them or maybe one thing that someone's done wrong. Let me read a parable from the New Testament real quick. This is a story about uh, Jesus shared about life. I'm sorry, a parable is this. It's a story that Jesus shares about life to connect with his crowd, oftentimes based on a true story, but something that connected with the culture as well. So let me read this passage. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. It's a longer passage. I don't like to read this much, but I just want you to all kind of capture what we're going on, what's going on here. So therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors, dudes that owed him money, was brought in, brought in who owed him millions of dollars. So imagine someone owing you millions of dollars. You're a king, somebody owes you millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master had offered him to be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released, released him and forgave all his debt. Millions of dollars, like crazy. Millions of dollars. Money that I will never see in my entire life. 
But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. So you got a dude that owes him millions of dollars. He begged for forgiveness. He gave him forgiveness. And the dude that was on his knees begging, he had somebody owed him $5,000, something like that. A good chunk of change, but nothing compared to millions of dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. Doesn't that sound familiar? He's begging him a minute ago. A guy falls before him and begs, and then watch what happens. Be patient with me and I will pay it. Sounds familiar? He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put him in prison until the debt could be paid in full. What a turd. Like, I want to, like, kick this guy in the name of Jesus. Like, forget the name of Jesus. I just want to kick him. Like, I just, like, that just ticks me off. Like, who would do something like that? Oh, millions of dollars, and somebody owed, forgive, he's forgiven millions, and somebody owes him thousands, and he's like, no way, you're going to jail until you can pay it back. Like, that is terrible. So the king heard what happened. I'm not reading this part. The king heard what happened, threw him in prison, the dude that he just forgave, threw him in prison and had him tortured till he paid his entire debt, which would mean lifetime and more for his entire family. Then listen to what Matthew says in response to this ridiculous servant. Listen to this. This is crazy. Matthew says this. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive, excuse me, forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So how, how many of us, again, we don't need to raise our hand now, have never forgiven somebody? It's, it's a lot of us. And so what that passage is saying is that ultimately we deserve to be thrown in prison and tortured until our debt is paid. But, but we've been forgiven much, and then when it comes to being forgiven little, like one or two sins that may have been extreme, we're not forgiven them. We're not gonna be thrown in prison. We're not gonna be tortured because Christ came and died on the cross for us. But the thing is, the consequences of unforgiveness are extreme. We need to forgive as Christ forgave us. But here's something that encourages my heart, which we just talked about. You'll never have to forgive more than you've already been forgiven. So the king in payment, what would have happened if the king would have made him pay at the very beginning? Like what would have happened? Let's do a little crowd response time. If the king would have made the man pay at the very beginning, what would have happened? Somebody tell me, what do you think would have happened? They would have been what? It's okay. Yeah, they would have been slaves the rest of their life. What would have happened, Joy? Transcends lifetimes. You are smarter than I am, Joy. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, they never would have paid back. Would anybody have judged the king for doing that? Would anybody have gotten mad at the king? No, absolutely not. He's the king. He can do whatever he wants. But everybody would have just sat there and said, well, I mean, the guy deserved it. I mean, he, he didn't pay his debt. So, I mean, no one would have questioned it. No one would have doubted it. No one would have thought anything. But, but when we do forgive, we do what no one else does. When we do forgive, we do what no one else does. Here's what we do as Christians. We show the love of Christ. When we forgive someone that doesn't deserve to be forgiven, we show the love of Christ. And, and his love, when it comes to the love of Jesus, like his love is strange. Like God's love for us, it's very strange. It's a stranger thing. Like it, it doesn't make sense. Like he forgives us everything when we don't deserve it, when all we do is just raise our hands and say, I surrender 
I give you my life. I'm done. I can't take it anymore. He forgives when someone doesn't deserve it. He sees everything you've done, everything from beginning to end, and he still forgives every one of us if we ask for, our, for his forgiveness. He asks us to do the same thing. And, and, some, and this is what's gonna happen. Reality is, if you do that, if you forgive someone, someone's gonna come up to you and say, hey, what's wrong with you? Like, why would you forgive that person? Like the king, when he made that first initial act of forgiveness, I'm sure everybody was just like, oh, he's gonna get thrown in prison. His family's gonna get thrown in prison. They're probably gonna kill them all. And all his servants were probably like, that's no big deal. Like, that's what he does. And then when he forgave, everybody was like, what? I'm sorry, what? Did he just forgive him millions of dollars? Like, what's wrong with our king? What happened? King, what's wrong with you, bro? Oh, no, he probably wouldn't do that because he'd probably get killed as well. But at the same time, like, everybody's looking at him like, what, why is he doing that? And when we forgive someone, we show the love of Christ in a different way. We show God's character and love to others. Here's the world's response. When someone does something wrong to you, and this is a lot of our response as well, but this is what the world says to do or acts out. There's not a written rule on this. Bitterness, revenge. It's easy to do. It's like what I talked about at the beginning. Many times we do that. Many times I do that. We just wanna get somebody back or we wanna get as bitter and as mad as possible and we wanna yell and scream and get mad and when we're alone in our room, we wanna punch the wall or beat our head against the, the bed or beat our head against the wall. I don't know why you do that. Some people do that. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of things, but listen, let me give you a little quote that I gave on Sunday as well. I was preparing this message first before I had that message. That was a last minute thing. But I, I kind of shared some of this message in Sunday morning, but this is a quote that I said on Sunday morning about bitterness. Bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. So when you want revenge, when you're bitter, when you wanna blame someone, something on someone else, it's really like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. That quote's by Joanna Weaver, by the way. Like, I, I would never sit there and drink a glass of poison and expect someone else to die, but that's what we do when we get bitter. And, and, and it just hurts and we get sick and tired and, and it makes no sense, but, but that's the normal thing to do. The strange thing is to forgive. And then, let me ask you this, have you ever seen, like physically seen and you're like, that's a bitter person. Like, have you ever seen somebody that's just bitter? Like some of y'all can say that. Like a lot of times it displays its sin on their face. And I've seen some people, let me give you a couple examples real quick. We'll go into that first one, that cartoon. What movie is that from? Uh, that's like one of the greatest movies. I cried in the first seven minutes of the movie. It's like, what kind of jacked up movie is that sad? But the dude is bitter. It's so sad. It really is. But he was like awesome. He's like the best cartoon character ever. Let me show you another bitter. Dude, I'm not going to lie. That cat was scary. Every time I watched that movie, I was scared of that little dude. Hey, this is probably judgmental, but it's, it's, it's kind of funny. I'm not going to lie. I might get fired for this one. But let me show you the next bitter. Okay, take that off. Take that off. That was wrong. I should have done that. But there's a lot of truth to it. She's a bitter woman. Like, you see, that was so wrong. I was preparing for that going, I probably shouldn't do that right now, but I'm totally doing it. Um, but like, you see people and you're like, I mean, like I've walked up to somebody and I'm like, dang, man, what have they not forgiven somebody of? Because they're just they're just bitter. Like I can think of people and you see their face and it's just downcast and kind of grumpy and kind of angry. And you're like, man, like I just want to go up to him and, and just kind of rub him on the back and say, 
are you okay? And then they go, and they try to bite your arm and stuff like that. Like, I mean, it's like, you are, you are bitter. But here's the thing. The, the more you get bitter, the more you wear your bitterness. And the, I don't mean so much physically, but I mean literally, and the uglier you look. I don't mean they're ugly people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying Hillary is an ugly person. I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. She's a wonderful person. But here's the thing. The more you wear your bitterness, the uglier it makes you look, and people see it, and people begin to notice it. Um, I've, seen some, I've seen some bitter people on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? You see some bitter people on Twitter, you're like, holy cow, if you don't quit whining, I'm not only going to delete your account, I'm going to like start your account on fire. I don't even know what that means. But um, like, I just can't stand reading your your drama, like get a journal or something like that. You see people's Facebook posts and they're like 700 words and you're like, does anybody actually read that? And you look and it's got hundreds of likes and you're like, you people need to get a life. Like seriously, this is ridiculous. Um, But I mean, here's the thing. People post their anger and their bitterness and their opinions and their personal journal information online and it makes them look really ugly. Like really. Not as a person. Nobody's ugly by what they say. But figuratively speaking, it makes them a very ugly person, and which sometimes turns into literally. And so we gotta be careful how bitter we get and how much, how much we are because it, it begins to wear on us. Listen, it's hard to do that. It's hard not to wear our emotions on social media, but it makes us look ugly. And I, I don't wanna be around a bitter person. I just really don't. Listen, students, we were made, we were created to speak life, not to tweet death. We were made to speak life, not to speak death. I say that to my kids all the time. We got some like family values and all that kind of stuff. And this is one of our family values is we're made to speak life, not to speak death. Because all the time my kids are like eight and nine and be like, I'll kill you with an ax. And you're like, where did you learn that? Like what what the heck is going on from you, dad? And I'm like, I've never said that, I promise. Um, But I'm just kidding, I've never said that. And my kids don't even say that. But at the same time they say things and I'm like, guys, 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 you're tearing each other down. We were made to build each other up. And sometimes, like, when they start saying stuff negative, I'm like, all right, say five things positive about your sister. They're like, they're not mean. I'm like, no, that's not nice. And you got, you got to say something better than that. Come on. They're like, they weren't mean to me today. I'm like, no, come on. You can do it. Like, they can't even come up with a positive. But at the same time, we were made to build each, other's up, build each other up, not tear each other down. But we common, so commonly tear each other around and not tear each other down. I, I don't like to be around negative people. Like sometimes I'll get around the negative person and they're constantly complaining and literally I'll say, hey, have you noticed every time I talk to you you're complaining? Like I'll just call it out. I just, I can't take it. And if, if they can't change, then a lot of times I'll just kind of separate myself. It's not like I don't like the person, but I don't wanna be like the person. And so therefore I literally will separate myself. It wears on you. Therefore quit drinking the poison because they aren't dying, you are. We have to forgive and move on. I read this quote today as it's kind of going over the sermon. It says this, as we pour out our bitterness, God pours in his peace. I thought that was strong. As we pour out our bitterness, God pours in his strengths. Strength, we have to peace. We have to forgive and move on. Listen, so when Deacon, my, my son, my, my eight-year-old son, I think I got a picture of him. I've shown this picture quite a bit whenever I talk to him. It's just a kind of go-to picture. He's awesome, little red-headed fireball, little terrorist. Um, <laughs> What? Uh, and so Deacon, um, 
he had a friend over. His friend's name was, um, I don't know what his friend's name. I don't know why. Let's call him Billy. Billy came over. And, uh, and so what they're doing is, is my kids got a, like a bunk that's like this, and then the top bunk's like this. So they're kind of off each other. So they would climb on the top bunk and jump on the bottom bunk. And then like go around and climb and jump. And, and one of them broke their ankle and like blood. Every, I'm just kidding. Um, but that was supposed to be funny. That wasn't funny? No? Okay. Uh, that didn't really happen. Sorry. I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, but they kept doing that over and over and over again. And my son, he's probably, he's probably about six at this time. Six or five. He's young. His friend is sitting on the edge of the top of the bed. And my son just shoves him off. And he flips forward and his face hits the wood post of the bed. Like this isn't a joke. I was joking about the broken ankle and stuff. His face hits the wood post of the bed and I hear a doom. And I'm like, what in the world? And kids just cry. And so I don't, I don't really freak out when my kids cry. And I'm like, all right, what's going on? And he gets up and he's got, it's not actually that bad. He's got a little bloody lip. And I'm like, hold up, what happened? He threw me off the top bunk. And I knew, like, kids don't typically lie in those. Well, sometimes they do, but I just knew it wasn't a lie. And I was like, get out. And I'm like, Deacon, come here. I grab a bat. And I'm like, bah, bah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but what I did, I thought about doing this. I didn't take a bat to my son. Um, I thought about doing this for his punishment, putting Deacon up on the edge of the bed and making his friend push him off. Like, tell me that wouldn't have been awesome punishment. But I can't do that. That would have been horrible. Um, but he did, he did get a spanking for that. He lost privileges. And I'm like, what were you thinking? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> and so one time my wife and I, we, I don't know what we were doing. We were kind of wrestling. It wasn't anything sexual. That's not where I'm going with this. But we're wrestling, kind of playing. And you're like, what in the world is going on right now? Um, so we're kind of playing around. And I remember I'm sitting on the couch and I'm holding her. I don't know how I had the strength to do this. I'm holding her. This is like in our first six months of marriage. Holding her over the back of the couch like this over my head. And she's hanging over the back of the couch. And I went, I wonder what would happen if I dropped her. Idiot. Who just yelled idiot? <laughs> it was an idiot. And I just went, boop. And she fell to the ground. Now, it's only like about two and a half feet in the air. But she fell full body, smacked the ground. It was like, thud. What's wrong with you? And this evil, demonic voice came out of my beautiful, precious wife. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm so sorry. And I'm kind of laughing and apologizing. I'm like, are you okay? Yes, but what are you doing? I'm like, <laughs> it's like you try not to laugh, but you are, and you can't help but laugh relentlessly. And so I think she like punched me a couple times in the face. No big deal. And, um, but like, she had to choose. She had to choose. That really was a true story. I don't know what went through my mind, but it did. She had to choose. At that point, she had to choose forgiveness. And, and that's not always the easiest thing to do, but she had to choose forgiveness. And gratefully, she made the decision to forgive me because I'd hate to lose my wife because I dropped her over the back of the couch. Um, let me show you a for real story. June 17, 2015, I've been to this church. There was a man that walked into a church in downtown Charleston, South Carolina. And um, on a Wednesday night, he came in and they were having a Bible study and they welcomed him. They talked with him and then he pulled out a gun and killed nine people. True story. And so let me watch you a show you a video of, it's kind of the courtroom um, and, and the family is talking to the murderer of, of their family and their friends. Watch this video. Ready, sir? 
I am. In shackles and wearing prison stripes, gunman Dylan Roof walks into his first court appearance with little fanfare or emotion. His image broadcast via a video link from the detention center into a North Charleston courtroom. On the other side of the screen, off camera, relatives of the innocent victims. Before we go into the bond process, I would like to ask, are there any members, or is there a representative of any of the family that would be here that wish to make a statement before this court, before I post or uh, set the bond? Through tears, some of them spoke. I forgive you. Took something very precious away from me. I will never talk to her ever again. I will never be able to hold her again. But I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. Your name, ma'am? Felicia Sanders. One of them, Felicia Sanders, a survivor of the slaughter who lost her son in the attack, seems to speak for them all. We welcome you. Wednesday night in our Bible study with open arms. You have killed some of the most beautifulest people that I know. Every fiber in my body hurts. And, and I'll never be the same. Ruth listens expressionless. Staring down, he says nothing. Your Honor, I've met with Mr. Ruth. Uh, I think he understands the proceedings. Law enforcement sources say he confessed to killing... Here's something that lady understood. She'll never have to forgive more than she's already been forgiven. Like, you're like, but, but how? I don't know. I really don't know. I can't relate to that. I can't even fully understand that. But all I know is her son was killed, her friends were killed, and very, very close family church members were killed. And she chose to forgive more than anything. So, so here's the thing. When you look at that passage at the beginning, the man that was forgiven millions, everyone knew it was a big deal. And when he wouldn't forgive, people were disgusted with him. And he looked he looked very ugly to the people around him. So I want to give you some homework tonight. And y'all are like, I love homework. I'm going to give you all some homework. I do this occasionally. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to forgive somebody that doesn't deserve to be forgiven or maybe somebody that you haven't forgiven. I want you to call somebody, probably not text. This is more of a call, FaceTime kind of thing. And some of y'all are like, there is no way I can forgive that person. I want you to call them and I want you to forgive them. Now this is not something like they're going to, they're probably not gonna respond and say, hey, thank you so much, thanks for forgiving me. They're probably gonna go, why are you, I don't need to be forgiven. But you're not doing this for their response. You're doing this to get rid of the poison. You're doing this because God calls us to forgive. You're doing this because this is what you need to do. And when you do this, I've challenged people to do this before when they do it, they say, I feel like a burden was just lifted off my shoulders. I feel like I'm not carrying around the massive weight that I was carrying. Earlier tonight, I asked you guys how many of you all have had to forgive someone or had something happen where, excuse me, someone did not deserve the forgiveness and about 100% of you all raised your hand. Now, my bet would be some of you have forgiven, but I would bet a lot of you haven't forgiven. And so I wanna encourage you, 
as we dismiss tonight, don't wait. And you might even want to send a text now and say, hey, I'm going to call you in a little while. Please answer your phone. And I want you to call him and say, I forgive you because Christ forgave me. Don't, don't expect a good response. There doesn't need to be a good response. It doesn't matter what their response is. Just forgive them. Because here's the thing. If you think about the man in Scripture, he had millions of dollars that were his. He had to forgive, but that was his choice. It wasn't a feeling. Here's the thing that we got to understand, and this lady understood this. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. You forgive despite how you feel. If you, if you forgave only when you felt like forgiving, guess, guess how many times you'd forgive? None. Absolutely none. Forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. You forgive despite how you feel. It's hard. But being freed from things going on in your life are not easy. So, but you think about, well, what about Jesus? Like when he died on the cross and he was about to be grant the forgiveness of the world, look at him the night before the crucifixion. He didn't want to do it. You're like, oh, yes, he did. No, 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 he didn't. Let me read this verse to you. Luke 22, 42 through 43, he says, Lord, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering, talking about the cup of God's wrath, meaning all the sin and all the judgment of God is being poured out on Jesus. Take the cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel of heaven appeared and strengthened him. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. We forgive despite how you feel. So that's your homework. Call someone. Say, I forgive you because Christ forgave me. And you might, you might need to just end the phone call quick or end the FaceTime quick because it might not end well. But you don't need to worry about how they respond. If I could ask everybody to bow your heads, open your hearts. Listen, Christ is the greatest example of forgiveness on the cross because he didn't want to do it his heart was super, super heavy. And he didn't want to do it. But he chose to do it. Because he realized that, that forgiveness that he needed to grant, he didn't need to give forgiveness. He needed to offer his forgiveness. The forgiveness that he needed to grant to save the world of their sins, the forgiveness that we needed, it wasn't based on a, a choice. It was based on, I'm sorry, it wasn't based on a feeling. It was based on a choice. And he forgave despite how he felt. And he said, your will be done, not mine. And so I wanna challenge you guys tonight with this. Forgive someone that you don't, they don't deserve to be forgiven. And at the same time, let me just ask you this. If you just sit there and you're just like, man, what, what happened on the cross? Like, how did he do that? Well, what happened was the night before Jesus realized what he was getting ready to do, he knew before the creation of time what he had to do at about four about 30-something B.C., sorry, A.D., he knew that he was gonna have to die on the cross. And so that night before, he's, he's sweating and, and crying blood because he was so emotionally overwhelmed in this situation. And then he died on the cross. God put your sin and my sin on him. He died on the cross for our sins. He defeated death. He was buried in the tomb for three days. And then he defeated death and he defeated our sin. And, and when you say, man, I, man, I want to give my life to Jesus. I understood that he died for me. I understand that, that I can have a relationship with him. And I want to give my life to Jesus. That, that's forgiveness. And that's you receiving the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins. 
And I just want to ask you right now, just real simple, we're not going to draw this out or anything like this. If, if you say, man, I've, I've never been fully forgiven of my, my sins. I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I never have, but I want to right now. I want to have a relationship with Jesus and I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, would you just, let's do this. Let's make it a little more challenging. Would you just look up at me? Awesome, I got you too. Look at me for a second. Make sure I got you. I got you. Thank you. I got you too. Got you in the front. Thanks, man. Make sure I got everybody, okay? All right, well, here's what I wanna do. I just wanna pray this prayer and you can pray this in the quiet of your own heart and you can give your life to Jesus for the first time, the only time, and the very last time. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I understand that I'm a sinner. I understand that you died on the cross for me. Thank you for taking my place. Thank you for dying in my place. Jesus, I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to live for you daily. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray.